Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support? Join The Exchange, a membership community just for group practice owners with monthly office hours, live webinars, and a library of trainings ready for you to dive into. Visit www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you next week. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting, an accounting firm that works specifically with private practices. They do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. On top of that, they can help you set up your profit first systems. Go to greenoakaccounting.com and mention the group practice exchange for $100 off your first month. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is an online EHR, practice management, and billing software designed for mental health professionals. Therapy Notes has everything you need to manage patient records, schedule appointments, create rich documentation, and bill insurance right at your fingertips. They offer free and unlimited live support seven days a week. Their streamlined software is accessible wherever and whenever you need it. To get two free months, go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the group practice exchange. TGPE has a few new programs focusing on starting a group practice, scaling a group practice, and creating a legacy for your group practice. If any of these sounds like the track you're on, you can find more about our programs by going to work with Maureen tab on our website and clicking the programs button to find out which one best fits your needs and to join the waitlist. Hope to see you there. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Today is an interview day and I'm super excited because I, as most of you know, I uh, don't necessarily love doing solo podcast episodes. They're much more fun when I get to have a guest on. And so today I have Illy Rivera Walter on. She, you might know her, she's a group practice owner. She's got a lot of things in the therapist world going on. And so I have her on today and we're going to be talking about onboarding a uh, therapist into clinical supervision, and we're going to have a group practice twist to it. So let's get into it. Hi, Illy. How are you? Awesome. Hey, Maureen. I'm great. Thanks for having me here. It's a yeah. pleasure to be here. So I know um, what got me into this topic and wanting to have you come on was you had a blog post that talked about some steps for onboarding a supervisor in or a clinician or a supervisee and supervisor together for supervision. And um, I think this is such a relevant topic in general. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to sort of take some of those pieces of feedback that you gave, which we can talk a little bit about and um, talk about the nuances of being in group practice and and how to like take some of that information and, edit it in a way that works for group practices. So I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm excited too. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you and why um, you are a person to be chatting to when it comes to supervisors <laughs> and supervisees. Sure. Um, well, I've been in the therapy field for a while. I am a marriage and family therapist and um, I've been so 
the a the marriage and family therapy field does require a lot before you become a supervisor which is a little different than the mental health or the counseling field and so i've been approved as a supervisor for i think over six years at this point i waited a little while to do it and then after you reach certain number of supervision hours you become approved to supervise people who are becoming supervisors mm -hmm. so it's like another level mm -hmm. so i've been doing that as well for some time um so I guess that's one part is just my private pursuit of understanding supervision and offering supervision. Um, another side is that as part of being a professor in a marriage and family therapy program, I supervise students who are doing their practicum and their internship. Um, and I teach supervision ideas. And uh, I think I had one more thing that qualifies me, but it just left my mind. So that's probably enough. <laughs> Qualified enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And so um, one of the things that you talk uh, about in this blog post is, you know, how uh, supervisees and supervisors can make sure that they're a good fit for each other, how the supervisor can, you know, talk about how they do their work, how they supervise, um, and what their style is like, it, kind of setting up expectations for what supervision will look like um, and things like that, right? And I think it's such valuable information. And I also recognize that in the group practice world, it's actually almost challenges that notion because uh, in solo practice, or if you're in a program or working in a nonprofit where you might not be getting supervision, you have to seek your own, you're, it's, you're essentially interviewing people to find a supervisor that fits your needs, right? Mm -hmm. And in group practice, you tend to have everything sort of given to you without you being able to sort of make those choices, right? You get employed at a group practice and you need a supervisor that group practice likely either the group practice owner is provides the supervision or they have a clinical director or supervisor that is there to provide it and there might not be the options uh, available to you that would be available if you are uh, pursuing looking for a supervisor out kind of in the world right um, and so i'd love to get your feedback on kind of how supervisees and supervisors who maybe don't get the choice of like choosing each other, how, how they can best make that relationship work. Um, and some, maybe some, I don't know, anecdotal thoughts you might have about it and um, suggestions or feedback for either the supervisor or the supervisee. Sure. Um, well, first, I think that the transparency part of like learning about each other and mm -hmm. the supervisor having uh, being open about their style and all of those things that I do mention in the blog post, which is like their style, their training, their areas of expertise is still 100% necessary. And on the other side, the supervisee being able to express their goals, the kind of work that they're doing, what they'd like to learn or get out of the supervision relationship. So really, really um, transparent conversation at the beginning, at the start of that relationship, just like every relationship, right? Mm -hmm. um, we need to talk about like who we are and what we want. I think that, that really sets the tone, even if the supervisee didn't interview a bunch of supervisors and decide, et cetera. Even though 
um, they may have gotten their supervisor because they're part of a group practice, it is still a wonderful benefit to receive a supervisor. And so also maybe having a context for what it means to receive supervision, um, how that's a benefit, how is that provided by the group practice? So I would go even up like a level to the admin or the policies or the employee handbook and explain um, why it's a benefit to receive supervision mm -hmm. and why the practice offers it. Mm -hmm. um, then I would say uh, separately, one thing that comes to mind as you were talking, well, two things, one is a po possible dual relationship. And then um, what if the supervisor can't meet all of the supervisee's needs? So let's start with possible yeah. dual relationship. Okay. Um, and it, it can happen in group practices that the clinical supervisor has more than one role in the practice. And so it is the clinical supervisor and or their, um, their own supervisor or like administrative supervisor yeah. responsibility. Yeah. So maybe the sure person that, that like does performance improvement plans on them if they're not meeting goals and such. You mean that, right? Like providing yes. clinical supervision yeah. but also might be their, uh, again, that's, I guess, also called a supervisor, but non-clinical, meaning like right. they might be the one that. Whoever they report them to. Or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Whoever they report to at, like in their job. Uh, so for the supervisor, whoever they report to needs to be mindful to not place the supervisor in their job responsibilities in scenarios where it puts them in more in having more than one role with their supervisee or supervisees. Um, also, the supervisor themselves needs to have some sort of process for communicating if they're having those feelings, like they're being in a, they're in a role or in a position where they're uncomfortable or they feel like it's crossing lines with their supervisee. Mm -hmm. um, I think that some, maybe some disciplines uh, emphasize the dual relationship part more than others, but regardless, it can cause some sticky situations. So that's one, that's one um, thing that I wanted to address. Was there anything you wanted to jump in about that one? No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's actually not something I think that often about as my own. We have a lot of supervisors, but they also in, in this situation are in that dual role of providing clinical supervision and are their reports um, because they manage the clinical super is a site supervisor. So they manage the, the site or the location that they're at as well. Got it. Um, but I'm really well, interested. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you no, no, you go. <laughs> this isn't uncommon. This isn't uncommon. But no, I want no. you to say what you're going to say and then I'll, I'll add a little bit. Um, no, I was going to say, I'm really interested to hear about um, what happens, what your suggestions are for when the supervisor might not be able to meet the needs of the supervisee, yes. because I feel like that is the biggest problem that group practice owners face when they bring on supervisors is like in how your trained in supervision and you pursued it because it's a passion of yours and you did all of this work to to get there and I know LMFTs have extra kind of education and, and um, trainings that they have to do to to become that um, but it's like a personal like you made the decision you went through that work a lot of times group practice owners when they feel burnt out and they want to have extra supports they look to their team and say like who is really a great clinician 
Mm. And then they choose that person to be a supervisor, even though that person might not have gone through that rigorous supervisory training, but they are really just chosen because they're a great clinician. And so they're like, you'll Mm. be good at training the next kind of, you know, any therapist we have in our practice. And so I always wonder about, you know, how, how that impacts the supervisee's ability to get great supervision and like what happens when that supervisor just can't meet the specific Mm -hmm. needs that that supervisee has. That's a great point. I think as a supervisor who owns my practice and I'm like onboarding interns all the time, Mm -hmm. I never considered that people wouldn't have training and supervision, but I understand that that's true. Or they have the like minimal. So like my license type requires it. I can give it, but like I haven't done the the level of supervisory training that you have, right? Because that's right. Um, And so I think there's a big difference between, so my license, I'm a counselor. We we're required uh, within our first renew uh, fully licensure renewal cycle. So when we I become fully licensed, I have one renewal cycle to get um, the it's like eighteen hours of supervisory um, training mm-hmm. in in order to renew my full licensure. But then that's it. It doesn't need to be redone. I might not provide supervision for another five ten years after that. Um, and so and I could be potentially hired to provide supervision. I just wonder because there's there are people who do it to like check the box off, right? Because they need to, like me, I don't love providing supervision. So it's not something I pursue or do, but I did my train, you know, I did my supervisory training 10 or so years ago when I had to. And if I was to be asked to provide supervision, I can provide supervision, but if I'm not passionate about it, right, and I'm not doing continuous training on best practices as a supervisor, I'm not going to be as effective. And so I just wonder with group practices, I, I find that most people would just bring on a, a really good clinician as a supervisor versus looking for people who have a primary focus on providing supervision and who do this continuous training to be able to, to do that, you know? That's, yes, that's so interesting. So I, obviously, I think that part of the gatekeeping or like ethical responsibilities and group practices for the people in charge, so to speak, to to make sure that their supervisors understand supervision to the extent necessary, whether that's because they had the the credits that were required for their license, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And to also be checking in with supervisors about how's it going? How do you like this role? Is it something you want to continue to do? Like, mm-hmm. what, are the, what are the pain points of being a supervisor in this practice, specifically mm-hmm. about providing clinical supervision? What are the successes? So just continuing to have those conversations with supervisors, I think, can be really helpful and can also bring up ideas for what kind of trainings might be helpful for the supervisor yeah. that may not have anything to do with supervision. They may have to do with documentation or, um, I don't know, motivational interviewing or who knows, it could yeah. be anything. I think uh, you maybe bring they up a wanna... good point with like, if you're in a group practice as a supervisor, you as the group practice owner should ensure that you're prioritizing the continuing education of the supervisor as well. Yeah. And not just plopping them into that position and then saying you're good to go. Right, yes, yeah. agreed. Yeah. Um, and so, then, yep, go ahead. Sorry. 
separately, it is very likely that a supervisor, whether uh, the supervisor is within a group practice context or whether the supervisee sought that supervisor out, it's very unlikely that a supervisor is going to provide all the possible needs that a supervisee has. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of what I recommend for supervisees is for them to, um, well, obviously, if they're choosing their supervisor to interview and figure out like, what are their priorities in this process? If they're pre-licensed therapists, and we're not talking about ongoing supervision as a licensed clinician, if they're pre-licensed therapists, they have a window. They have two to three years to have this opportunity to work under someone, to really gain a lot of experience and understanding. And so thinking through, like, what is it that they want to learn? Is it a particular theory, a particular method? Do they have a goal of being in business? Does their supervisor have a private practice so they could not, I mean, talking about businesses and clinical supervision, but they can see the model, right? Within a group practice, um, if there's been that transparency and that relationship has developed, it makes it easier for a supervisee to be able to say, you know, I'm realizing I need more support around X. Mm -hmm. um, is that something you feel you could provide? And, or to say, maybe I need to look for that elsewhere. And so I think too, whether it's a licensed clinician or a pre-licensed clinician, to be thinking about our clinical needs as an ongoing investment that we do sometimes need to talk to somebody about something. And maybe even the practice could be the referral source. Right. Like, hey, we, I know somebody who could support you in this. Let's set that up. Or please feel free to pursue supervision on the side with someone else. Right. I, I, it's similar to like relationships, right? Not all of right. your needs are going to ever be met by right. one singular person. Um, and I think that's something that all of us could be more aware of within ourselves. Cause I think a lot of times as business owners or leaders of any kind, supervisors being leaders as well, we feel this need yeah. to like be able to provide all the things to the people that we're supposed to be supporting. Right. Um, and, and that it doesn't mean that there's a lacking within you when parts of the needs of a supervisee need to be met elsewhere. Um, right. Yeah. because we can't do all the things for everyone. We can't and likely, and, and hopefully we've specialized to the extent that we don't have to do all the things for everyone. Right. And that's, yeah, that's purposeful and that makes our lives easier and more meaningful. But yes, that means that sometimes we have to say, you know what, I'm not the best person for that. Yeah. Let's, let's see who is. That's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I know as we're getting ready to sort of wrap up, um, can you tell people about where they can find you, what things you do to support therapists and where that's at? Yeah, of course. Um, so I write at familytherapybasics.com. There I have some free articles and resources for therapists. Um, I have a community called the Refresh Therapist Network where we have groups and subgroups. It's a free community for students, pre-licensed, people in grad school, people who have businesses, people who are seasoned therapists. So we do like free challenges in there and all sorts of stuff. So people can uh, find that at refreshtherapistnetwork.com. And I'm a group practice owner. <laughs> so I'm supporting <laughs> um, practicum, internship and pre-licensed therapists. And my practice is called City Couples and that's at citycouples.net. 
Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your um, valuable knowledge when it comes to supervision and supervisees and supervisors. So I appreciate you coming on this morning. Anytime. It was my pleasure. Yeah. Have a great one. You too. TGPE has a few new programs focusing on starting a group practice, scaling a group practice, and creating a legacy for your group practice. If any of these sounds like the track you're on, you can find more about our programs by going to Work With Maureen tab on our website and clicking the Programs button to find out which one best fits your needs and to join the waitlist. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support? Join the Exchange, a membership community just for group practice owners with monthly office hours, live webinars, and a library of trainings ready for you to dive into. Visit www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you next week.